0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Welcome, Rhema Family Church in Brisbane, Australia. Pastor Tony and Patsy Caminetti. How much we love y'all. Thank God for your work and for your ministry And we miss y'all very much. And we're going to be studying today on Paul's system of truth or on Paul's revelation. But also I like to tell you a couple of funny jokes because the Bible says that a merry heart is good like medicine. So laughing will actually help you physically and mentally. So uh, did you hear about the guy that was addicted to drinking brake fluid? He said he could stop at any time. Oh, did you hear about the man that his wife got caught stealing in the grocery store? She had to go stand before the judge and he went with her, and the judge said, According to the records, ma'am, you stole a can of peaches, and there were six peaches in the can, and I'm gonna give you one day in jail for each peach. She hung her head down, but her husband, he raised his hand and said, Your honor, she also stole a can of peas. Ha ha ha. Well, one more here. Did you know, we've got so many scientists nowadays around the world, scientists everywhere. And did you, scientists have proven that women who gain weight actually live longer than the men who mention it. Ha! (laughs) That's another joke for y'all. Now, we're going to have some fun here studying uh, Paul's system of truth, some on the life of Paul, some on Paul's revelation. And so, I want you to just get in your Bible there and open up to Romans chapter 6 and verse 17 is where we actually get this terminology from called Paul's system of truth. And so Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, the King James Version says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Next verse says, and it made you free from sin. And you became the servants of righteousness. Notice right here in Romans six seventeen, you're kind of right in the middle of the book of Romans and in Paul's revelation from Romans chapter three and four and five and six, seven, and eight, and right here in Romans six seventeen, he puts this verse. He says, You were the servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Wow, what does that mean? That doctrine. That was given to you because a lot of times Christians are even afraid of the word doctrine. Well, let's look at another translation. I think it's Weymouth's Weymouth translation says that you were bound by sin, but you yielded a hearty obedience to that system of truth in which you were instructed. So Paul called this doctrine or what we call Paul's revelation, a system of. Of truth, That would be your belief system. And you get your belief system R, from this system of truth and understanding the doctrine of our redemption. So we're going to study that a little bit, mainly on our redemption and what God has done for us in the plan of redemption and what he's done for us in Christ. So we're going to look at Paul's system of truth. So let me introduce it to you real quickly just by giving you what uh, we call the eight points to Paul's system of truth. So there's eight points, and uh, you can write these down if you have a pen or however you want to take notes. Number one is, what is man? Our Paul gives us definition of what man is, that man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. So really, Paul, in his letters, gives us the best definition of the nature of man, or you could say the three parts of man or how they interact or how man works. In other words, we know God created man in his image, but the Apostle Paul breaks it down with great clarity on how man works or the three parts of man. And this revelation, number one, must be put kind of like a transparency over all eight points that man is a spirit. And so Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5:23, your whole spirit and your soul and your body, he says, be preserved and be sanctified. So he's talking about all three parts of man: your spirit, and that's the real you, that's your inward man and then your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion, and then your body, which is the house that you're living in, that you're to present to God as a living sacrifice, and then the renewing of your mind. But he says spirit, soul, and body. When I was in Bible college uh, many years ago, they said when we study Paul's letters, we have difficulty understanding Paul's writings But they said, if there was one word that we could unlock exactly what that word is, then we could understand all of Paul's letters. And they said, we call that the word spirit or the Greek word pneuma. And they said, we call it Paul's pneuma concept. So if you're going to read Paul's letters, you must understand Paul's pneuma concept or what he means when he's talking about the spirit. The spirit of man and the spirit of God, that God himself is a spirit. And even talking about the realm of the spirit or the unseen realm or the inward man, the spirit of man, is the candle of the Lord, it says in Proverbs. So number one is what is man? Man is a spirit. He has a soul, lives in a body. And we'll come back to that later. Number two is identification with Adam. Identification with Adam Really, in Paul's letters, really even in the whole Bible, you cannot understand Paul's letters unless you understand who is the old man and who is the new man. So really, the whole Bible is about two men. The first man, Adam, his sin and his disobedience and its effect upon the whole human race. And then the other man is the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the whole Bible's about two men, old man, new man, first Adam, last Adam. And so Paul, in his letters, says that every man, every human being in that has ever lived has been affected by these two men. The first man, Adam, And his sin and disobedience affected the whole human race. And so Paul actually mentions Adam more than any other writer in the Bible. So he takes our redemption all the way back to the first man, Adam, and Adam's sin, how it affected the whole human race. Or you could say it this way, our identification with Adam. So that's number two, is identification with Adam. One man affected every man. That's point number two. Number three, what is man's condition in Adam? In other words, since every man has been affected by Adam, how has it affected every man? What is man's condition? That's number three. What is man's condition? Well, if you talk about spirit, soul, and body, how has it affected every man? What is man's condition? Well, because if you underestimate or don't understand man's true condition, then you'll never understand the necessity of the crucifixion of Christ. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why was that necessary? So an accurate understanding of man's condition will help you understand the necessity of the cross, why Jesus died on the cross, and even what happened there. But Paul goes into great detail into man's condition. Wow. I mean, he almost discusses that as much as anything else because you can see when you understand uh, man's condition, spirit, soul, and body, man's condition before God and man's condition even under the influence of Satan, the God of this world. And so you're going to see what happened from the cross to the throne because that is number four. So... Uh, Number three, man's condition, Adam. Number four is what happened to Jesus from the cross to the throne. What happened on the cross? Oh, man, I can't wait to get into this. One of my favorites is number four. What happened on the cross? What happened in the death of Christ? Why was that necessary? What happened when he died? What happened during the three days? And what happened when he was raised from the dead? What happened from the cross to the throne. And so the Apostle Paul, in his revelation, he tells us what happened in Christ. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, tell you what happened to Christ. Or in the four Gospels, you see what man saw. But in Paul's letters, he tells you what happened in Christ. Or in Paul's letters, he tells you what happened in the spirit or he tells you what happened in the unseen or he tells you what God saw on the cross in the death and in the resurrection of Christ. And he even tells you what Satan saw in the death and resurrection of Christ. So Paul's revelation is so powerful. It is the center of the gospel. And Paul says that in Romans one, 16 and 17, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, 16 and 17. So Paul says this, the center of the gospel is what happened from the cross to the throne. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 through 4, Paul says, above all else, more than anything else, I wanted you to know and to understand that Jesus died, he was buried, and on the 3rd day he was raised from the dead. In other words, the center of the gospel is what happened from the cross to the throne, what happened when Jesus died, what happened when he was raised from the dead, and the gospel of Christ is the power of God, in other words, some people think they need more power, when really they just need more gospel, in other words, in Paul's letters, in his system of truth, he tells you what happened from the cross to the throne, and you see What happened there, not just what man saw, but what God saw or what happened in Christ. So the number one terminology uh, in Paul's letters is the two words, in Christ, in him, or in whom. What does that mean? Well, just one word, preposition, and the word Christ, which means the Messiah or the anointed one. And yet Paul uses that terminology over 130 times. When I was 17 years old, Dad Hagen came to our church, and he said, one of the best ways to study the Bible, and then he said to study the New Testament, he said, one I recommend above all others is to go through Paul's letters, and every time you see the two words, in Christ, in him or in whom, circle or underline those two words, every time you see those two words, circle or underline the two words in Christ, in him, in whom, he said, because that describes something you have and something you are, because when you got born again and you made Jesus the Lord of your life, now you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. So actually in Paul's letters, he uses the two words in Christ because he's going to tell you not just what happened to Christ, he's going to tell you what happened in Christ. I kind of like to say it this way, that the four Gospels are a photograph of redemption, a photograph. Paul's letters are an x-ray of what happened from the cross to the throne. You see something different with an x-ray. It could be the same picture, but it's a different kind of picture. You actually see inside the person. That's why most people do not send out x-rays of their family for Christmas because it's just so hard to recognize everybody. So we're not talking about, you know, Paul and his letters. He's saying, I'm going to show you something that happened in the spirit in Christ that's going to be so strange that you're going to have a hard time even recognizing yourself because you're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new that you literally have a new identity. Who you are and what you have in Christ or what happened from the cross to the throne. It simply means Everything God did in Christ he did it for us And it's set to the credit of our account, just like we did it, like we were there. Wow, man, I love seeing this. So as a teenager, 17 years old, I just followed Dad Hagen's instructions. I just took some time every day, and I started going through the scriptures, Paul's letters, when I found the two words in Christ. I'd circle or underline it, because that described something that I am my identification that I'm no longer what my mama made me or my daddy made me or circumstances made me that now I am the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has before ordained that I should walk in them. So there's 130 of those, but I found there's really only about 35 that are super significant that show what happened from the cross to the throne are what happened in Christ. Wow. In Him. In whom? In other words, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, sometimes we use this terminology, I've been born again. Great terminology. One translation says, I've been re-fathered. Well, that's a real good one. I've been born again. I've been refathered. Another translation says, Uh, uh, another, Another word that we look at is when you got saved, we use the word saved, but also you received eternal life, eternal life, which is the God kind of life. Now, listen closely. Many religions offer lessons, but only Jesus Christ gives eternal life. What is eternal life? You receive that in your spirit when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. You receive it. It's the very life of God. It's the God kind of life. And it's the same life that God gave to Christ. And so you make Jesus your Lord. You've been saved. You've been born again. And you've received eternal life as a present possession. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God does not have life. So this is spiritual life. It's the God kind of life. Same life that's in God. And it is that life, literally, that's how you're saved. You have the life of Christ on the inside of you. Wow, all right. But the number one terminology, number one terminology is you are now in Christ. You are now in union with Christ, or you're now identified with, with Christ. You now have a new identity. So in Paul's letters to see what happened from the cross to the throne, then that would be point number four. But you can see in this system of truth, all of these points are interconnected, interrelated. So point number four is what happened from the cross to the throne. And point number five is our identification with Christ. Our identification with Christ. So when you get the word identification, that means to consider or treat as one and the same. If you go to the airport and you want to fly somewhere internationally, they're going to say, do you have a passport or do you have some official identification? And when you pull up your passport and you show them your passport, then they will say uh, this, what you're saying, with your passport. And you say this person and this person, we are identical. What happens when you see your identification with Christ? In other words, you're not going to go far if you don't carry some official identification. And your faith must have this factor, which is my identification with Christ. In other words, what do I believe? My belief system is my new identity in Christ. So to see your identification with Christ, then there's several scriptures that use Uh, the phrase, with him. We're now in Christ, preposition Christ. He says, now we were identified with him. Identification, identity, identical, identified. Now, what does that mean? I was identified with Christ. Again, that means one man, Adam, got us in this mess, and one man, Jesus Christ, got us out. So when Paul says, our identification with Christ, Wow, I love Galatians 2.20, but before we go there, go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Throughout the book of Romans, or throughout the chapter of Romans, Paul says, Romans 6.6, 6, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not Serve sin for he that is dead is free from sin, and then he goes on and says that sin shall not have dominion over you, and Satan shall not be able to dominate you because your old man was crucified with Christ. who is the old man? Well, the old man simply is the old kind of human. the old man is the human produced by Adam and Adam's sin and Adam's failure. That's the old man. So other translations say, My old sinful self was crucified. Notice this, Paul says, Knowing this. How did Paul know this? Well, if you would have just looked at the crucifixion of Christ and see Jesus on the middle cross and a thief on either side, how would you know this? In other words, Paul. Through revelation knowledge, Paul's revelation, he saw what God saw on the cross that Jesus was not a martyr, he was a substitute. A substitute. He took our place, we were identified. With him. So there's two ordinances in the church, and we may get into these a little bit more later. One is water baptism. Water baptism is when you're immersed in water, that you're buried together with Christ and raised up together with him. The other ordinance in the church is communion or the Lord's Supper, and that you take the bread and you take the cup, which is his blood, which is his body, and you eat the bread, drink the cup, you drink, and The blood, the cup represents the blood of Christ, and now you are joined in union with Christ, identified with him. You're so identified with him when you take communion, you're declaring to the devil, it is illegal for you to do anything to me that Christ has already borne for me. That means I am free through his blood, and through his body broken for me, and now I'm in union with Christ. And he says, you do show the Lord's death until he comes again. And the word show there is the word promulgate. It means to set a law or decree into motion through an official proclamation. In other words, when you take the Lord's Supper, it's like the Passover, and you're just saying, I put the blood over the doorpost of my life, and now the destroyer cannot enter in because I'm covered by the blood. And now even further, you drink and partake of Christ, his blood, his body, and you're now in union with him. That means your healing your deliverance and your victory. And that means you're telling the devil it is illegal. I declare a f- official proclamation, and I put a law into motion that I'm redeemed from the curse of the law because Christ was made a curse for me, and now the blessing of the Lord is upon my life. Even that cup in the First Corinthians, Paul calls it, the cup of blessing. When you drink that blood, that means you're redeemed from the curse. So two ordinances in the church, and both show your identification with Christ. So go look at Romans 6, 6 again real quickly. Paul says, knowing this, knowing, how do you know this? <laughs> Paul's revelation was awesome, what he saw. But listen, Paul's revelation was not just for Paul. It was really for every Believer. That means you and I, as believers today, can see the same thing the Apostle Paul saw. That's why he prays in Ephesians chapter 1 for every believer that God would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. The eyes of your understanding being flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion never name his name, not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that fills all in all in other words paul says i'm praying for you as a believer i'm praying for you what is he praying for here he is not praying for your dedication he's praying for revelation a revelation knowledge because Every breakthrough in revelation knowledge will bring an advance and breakthrough in your faith. In other words, revelation affects your dedication. So when I was 17, Dad Hagen said pray that prayer every day for at least six months. And I did uh, twice a day for six months. And he said, first thing that'll happen is the Bible will become a different book to you. The spirit of wisdom And revelation in the knowledge of God. The eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding flooded with light. So Paul had seen something awesome in the death and resurrection of Christ. That everything God did in Christ, he did it for us. We were identified with him. So those two words may sound a little bit simple, Knowing this, Mm, but those are two powerful words. Do you know this? I know this. My old man, other translation says, my former evil identity was executed with Christ. My old rebel self was exterminated. (laughs) Pretty interesting translation. My old self, my old sinful self. One translation says my old sin-loving nature was crucified with Christ. Wow, what happened on the cross? Paul says we know this, our old man, our old sinful self, our old sin-dominated personality. Our old sin-dominated personality, our old rebel self. In other words, our old man was exterminated, crucified to bring an end. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. Praise God. Hallelujah. So now to look at this, when he sees, he says what happened from the cross to the throne. Now look, your identification with Christ Romans 6.6, 6, but also look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians 2.20, wow, I love this. Paul says, I am, this is the King James Version, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So you have substitution and identification that Jesus, everything he did as our substitute in our behalf for us. And now we were identified with him. So when he says, I am, I am crucified with Christ. I like that because he just starts off with, I am, I am. Personal, I am I am means who I am has forever been changed by what Jesus has done for me in other words what Christ has done for me on the cross has changed who I am my identification is changed that I am other translation says Christ took me to the cross with him and I died there with him. Uh, another translation says, I consider myself as having died, and now I'm enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus, Christ, using my body. In other words, he said, Now Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. Now Christ, he lives in me. His life is in me. Wow, that's a great confession of every Christian, and a great confession of faith. And it's really a Paul's confession. But it's not just for Paul. It's really for every believer. I am crucified with Christ. I like what I heard T.L. Osborne say many years ago. He said, little I moved out and big Christ moved in. I like that. Wow, you could put defeated I moved out and victorious Christ moved in. You can say, cursed, I moved out, and blessed, Christ moved in. In other words, everything Jesus did, he did it for us, set to the credit of our account, so we were identified with him. Paul said, I was there in his death, and I was there in his resurrection. So, jump over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, we're studying... Paul's revelation, or Paul's system of truth. So look at Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, and here's what it says. But God, who is rich, and you find that, in mercy. God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved, and verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty amazing revelation right there. Paul says, because of God's great love and mercy, even when we were dead in sin, he quickened, the word "quicken" um, means made alive. The Amplified Bible says he made us alive together with Christ and he gave us the very same life with which he quickened him. Amazing. Think about that. The same life, the very same identical life that raised Christ from the dead is now in the spirit of every believer. Actually, First Corinthians six seventeen says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. In other words, now your spirit is joined to Christ. That's a part of being in Christ, is my spirit is in union with Christ. That means the same life, the same righteousness, the same blessing, The same authority that's in Christ is now in me right now. As I feed on the word of God, as I yield to the Holy Spirit, as I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the reality of that becomes so clear in my life that I live in freedom from sin and from Satan's dominion and I enjoy the blessing of the Lord. So this shows your identification with Christ made alive together with him raised up together with him seated together with him in heavenly places or you could say it this way God's already done everything he's going to do about your salvation he did it in Christ 2000 years ago and when Jesus sat down he said you sat down together with him so the first thing you do for victory in your faith life is you take your place in Christ you're never fighting for victory, you're always fighting from victory. You take your place seated together with Christ. So you're not fighting way down here, you know, trying to get up there. You're you're already. This is the grace of God. This is how your faith Uh, accesses the grace of God is that now God's already done everything he's going to do about my salvation, my deliverance, my healing, and my victory. And so now with revelation and understanding this system of truth, he said, it makes you free, not only from sin, but from what sin has produced. Oh, thank God for the blood of Jesus redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We'll get more into that in our next session. But he says this, made alive, raised up, seated together with him in heavenly places. Now jump over to Ephesians 1, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only this word. So you're seated with him far above. Take your place in Christ through the word and through your confession and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that shows you your identification with Christ And next point is number six, and that is who we are and what we have now because we are in Christ. And you can see that all of these points are interconnecting, so you're covering all of them together. So who we are in Christ, man, you got 35 of those points that are phenomenal. And then number seven is what Jesus is doing for us now at the right hand of God. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. That's a powerful subject. What is Jesus doing for us now? Well, Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save us to the uttermost. See, He ever lives to make intercession for us. There is our high priest and as our advocate. In other words, Jesus is our advocate in heaven and the Holy Spirit is our advocate in our heart. Thank God for the indwelling Holy Spirit so you have what Jesus is doing for us now and then number eight this is the eight points to Paul's system of truth is how to grow up spiritually how to grow actually Paul told the Thessalonians your faith grows exceedingly I heard dad Hagen say this one time he said I'd be concerned if my faith was not growing in other words, sometimes people say, well, you just have faith, you know, and you just got faith and you can't grow. Well, where does faith come from? Faith comes from the word. Our faith comes from revelation knowledge of the word. So if you can grow in revelation knowledge, you can actually grow in faith. That means you'll overcome things this year you didn't last year. In other words, you'll receive things from God you didn't Received last year because now there's a breakthrough. Every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. So how do you grow up spiritually? Well, several points there. Number one is you have to renew your mind with the word of God. In other words, there must be a continual renewing of your mind to grow up spiritually. Then you'll have to feed on the word of God or meditate on the word of God. The next thing is to be filled with the Holy Spirit learn the significance and the importance of being filled and maintaining a spirit-filled life and yielding to the Holy Spirit. I think Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. He said uh, the most important thing that you can do as a believer is to be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. He said the measure you fail of this, you're that far short of the plan of God for your life. In other words, the way you yield to the Holy Spirit will determine the way you yield to all the will of God for your life, recognizing, responding to the Holy Spirit, being filled and filled again, making room for the Holy Spirit in your prayer life and in your daily life, being led by the Holy Spirit. So Paul uses that word spirit 21 times in one chapter, which is Romans chapter eight. He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And he tells you how the law of the spirit of life operates in Romans chapter 8 itself. It's connected to the law of faith and the law of the spirit of life in Christ, how to operate and function in a higher law, which is the life of God that is ours because we are in Christ and the freedom that we enjoy. So the next thing after when you grow up spiritually, receive the word appropriately, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The third is what we call in Paul's letters, ecclesiology, which is the study of the body of Christ. That means you have to honor supernatural relationships in the body of Christ if you want to grow spiritually. Paul says that there's a supply that comes from the joints and from the supernatural relationships in the body of Christ. Those over us in the Lord, those around us, Those under us, those that we're helping, those who are helping us, honoring those supernatural relationships. One time the Lord said to me, he said, there's important things you need to know that I'm not going to tell you. If I told it to someone you're supposed to be in relationship with, you'll have to get it from them. What's he saying? He said, you're going to have to honor apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, those, the fivefold minister. You're going to have to honor those over you in the Lord. And then he said, and there's many other ministries. I just mentioned those five, the five-fold ministry. But he said, you'll have to honor those around you in the Lord and that relationship, and there will be a supply that will come to you from those relationships. Wow. Well, I hope you enjoyed studying Paul's revelation, Paul's system of truth, your identification with Christ, who you are in Christ. I apologize if I went a little bit fast, but there's a lot that we're covering. So I trust you enjoyed it. And then we'll go into part two next. May God richly bless you.
1: Praise the Lord. That's all in there. Oh, Lord, help us to get it. Let's close our eyes. I'd like to just pray for everybody in here and then those of you that are joining online. Father God, thank you so much for your great love for us. You gave your only begotten son. John 3.16 is so simple that anybody that would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. All these amazing eight incredible truths belong to anyone who just accepts Jesus as their Savior. So Father, I pray if there's anyone listening here in this room or online that wants to be refathered, wants a new life. It happens in Christ. Right now, just pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I accept what Jesus did for me when he died when he was buried and when you raised him from the dead and I ask Jesus to be my Lord today come into my heart open my eyes and understanding to know how big salvation is so that I don't live small but that I glorify God with the rest of my life amen amen praise the name of the Lord All right, I want to give you an opportunity Uh, we want to be a blessing to Mark he's not here physically but we do want we're going to send him a offering of love and appreciation. If you want to be a part of that, the giving stations are open in the back and you can give. Uh, Mark and Trina were actually the very first conference that we ever had here when Tony and I came to Australia and we were at Terry's building. And that was before even the church. And he taught on this subject. I still remember And so, praise the Lord. These are timeless truths. I believe there is a time in the body of Christ where the body of Christ will actually live as though it happened. But you've got to know it happened. So, praise the Lord. This, uh, you can get online and get it. Or uh, um, uh, through YouTube or Facebook. And next hour as well. Next service as well. On both, on both YouTube and Facebook. Praise the Lord. FaceTime. Face, what is it? That. That. Yeah, and a book that can be downloaded. So you can find these things on our website. I should have you come up here and talk about all of it. (laughs) Uh, iBooks. Or Amazon. Oh, (laughs) I love it. Yay. Mark is my brother-in-law. And these truths have worked in their lives and miracles in their family. And so uh, it's not just amazing Bible truth. It's living truth. And so we want to pass that on to you. God bless you. And Naomi, if you'll come. Have a mighty week.
0: If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.